This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geek show number 541, recorded on August 4th, 2022. Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find their way into your home. News reviews, product updates, and conversation, all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Carlson, broadcasting live from the AverageGuy.tv studios here in a sweltering. And Dan LeFebvre's with us. Dan's down in Oklahoma City. It has to be infinitely hotter down there, Dan. Are you doing okay? Is it you doing? Just, you guys doing okay down there in Oklahoma City? Just, just say I, I am very thankful for air conditioning. That's for sure. How did? How, listen. How did the pioneers? <laughs> That came out here. Uh, one, I'm starting why to understand why life expectancy was not so high. <laughs> what? What made him go? Yeah, I'm just going to stop here. I mean, we know some of them stopped because the wagon wheel broke and they couldn't go any farther. <laughs> and some of those, they you know promised and then never made it to California and those kinds of things. It's so hot. They must not have made that decision in August, <laughs> right? I mean, because I, I, how did they do that? I just don't. I don't get it. I yeah, I have no idea. Uh, if they made the decision in the summer it was wrong decision <laughs> just saying. oh and, and think about it they probably we we probably went i mean air conditioning is still in you know and you think about history is a pretty recent kind of thing and we we take it for granted i don't know how i'd survive if we um john's saying you know he's out in maryland and they were 98 and uh, just just i think every place is suffering fortunately Fortunately, we have modern air conditioning, of course. We'll, uh, we got some modern show notes. We'll post this show with some show notes. Not a whole lot of them this week, but out at theaverageguy.tv. Big thanks. Um, Akersh uh, Vinod joined me last week. We had a, a little chat about uh, DO Technologies, that little speaker. If you didn't get a chance to see it yet, head back to 540. He gave me a code at the end of the show uh, that would get you, I think, 18% off the three-pack. And uh, so if you're interested in doing something like that, not a bad way to get in on that. And of course, um, Akersh, thanks for doing that. I appreciate him coming out. Again, Dio was the speaker. And if you check out the show notes, theaverageguy.tv slash HGG540, I put the link uh, for the uh, discount code in there as well. Something's going on behind me. It's kind of alarming. Uh, like I mentioned before, Dan LeFebvre is out here uh, tonight. Dan, uh, not only being a, a Patreon sponsor for what we do on Saturday mornings for Ask the Podcast Coach, and Dan, the 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 you know the based on a true story podcast mug that you sent me is so good. I was out in the shed uh, the other day um, enjoying a cigar. It was hot. I put ice water in there. I drank all the water. The ice would not melt. Like. I wanted more water, but that thing was so well constructed, <laughs> the ice didn't melt. So I was like, darn it, I have to get a worse cup. But thanks, Dan. <laughs> one, thanks for sponsoring uh, on, on over there on Ask the Podcast Coach. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, thanks for everything you do. Yeah, I've, I've got one of those, too. I, I really like it. That mug, I think, is really well done. It's like a Yeti or it's it's that kind of quality. Um, yeah, it's not. I don't think it's actually a Yeti brand, but yeah. Uh, we'll just call it that because it, okay. it's cool. It's cool. It's, it's super cool. They're, they're, they're very much worth their weight, especially, I mean, again, I was out there for an hour and a half um, and it was super cool. Um, last time I had you on, we looked at some of the tech stories uh, that you, or movies that you had covered on based on a true story podcast. By the way, if you need a really cool podcast to listen to, a uh, Dan's would be a good one to go out and subscribe to, listen to a couple, because he's done some pretty cool movies, especially recently. 
uh, based on a true story podcast.com, uh, Zero Dark Thirty, Lawless, Jurassic Park, Monty Python, and the Life of Brian. Wait a minute. Was that a true story? <laughs> Hold on. How does that work? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, honestly, s- some of those, and I've really had some fun with it. Um, so the for a long time, I did a Patreon side where I would kind of extract history from completely fictional movies. Um, and then I slowed on that mostly because of time. Um, and then thought, well, let's try, try some of that on, on the regular show. So things like, you know, life of Brian, I mean, there's a real history in there and they use it to obviously be how they made the movie or is it like, cause it, I mean, it certainly has a historical context, right? right? First century AD. Right. But, but it was, and it's a great movie, by the way. I mean, that's that. When I saw that, I was like, yes, that's a great Monty Python's Life of Brian is what we're talking about. So it's got, it does have a historical content, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So the expert that I talked to, Adele Reinhardt's, um, talk, talking about the, the history, right? So yeah. around the time of Jesus and, and that era and right. the things, the, the things that they used and how, you know, the Roman occupation of Jerusalem and all that kind of stuff and how it was portrayed in the movie versus how, it would have actually been that that sort of thing. <laughs> I, I can't imagine it was it was close at all. Like I mean, you know, honestly, um, yeah, yeah. It, closer than you would think. I mean, okay. in 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 the ways that they they portrayed it, but then obviously being Monty Python, they obviously pushed it right. Yeah, in in yeah. ways that are obvious, right? I mean, it's Brian, right? Obviously, he's not real, <laughs> but you right. know, a, a lot of just that it that it happened and that kind of stuff because yeah. they weren't trying to be so close um i found uh, saving private ryan it, brian ryan kind of rhymes made me think of that yeah saving private <laughs> ryan's another good example right where right. it's a fictional story but it's set in history I and mean, private ryan's not real um it, but because of that they're able to almost follow along with with history a lot more so because there are parts that honestly we just don't know, especially when you're talking about around the time of Jesus and all that, because there's you start to throw in a lot of the religious side and all that kind of stuff. And there's just a lot of stuff from that ancient yeah. times that we don't know. And so they're able to fill in a lot of those holes that. that yeah. No, that's super cool. That, that I never expected when I, I logged in to, you know, on Saturday mornings, I always kind of promo what's out there. And I, I logged in to say, Life of Brian. <laughs> what? <laughs> Have you lost your mind, Dan? <laughs> so is um is uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail uh, on on the docket at all? Are we going to cover that? I, w- I would love to. Um, it's be a matter of you know finding someone to to chat about it, that. Um, a, a, that's that's another part of it too. I mean, like uh, the lady that I talked to for that, she I caught her while she was you know teaching in in Italy and mm-hmm. pretty much like this is the only time I can do it. Okay, well then. It, maybe I will, but who knows when? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it, it'd be great. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting with bated breath for the, <laughs> for the Holy Grail. That's in the Collison house. That's the top. I mean, that's the pinnacle of most funny movies that we enjoy watching. We quote hundreds. What of are you going to do? Bleed on me? <laughs> yeah. I, my kids can do my kids. Like my kid, these are kids that, I mean, this movie's old and they can quote the, like 90% of the movie. Um, you, you have Jurassic park slash Jurassic world. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's also not 
factual or based yeah. on what what was the angle that you took there to kind of uh, how, how did that interview go that was good so um even though uh, so jurassic park start, you know in 93 the first movie to jurassic world the the latest one dominion kind of finalizing the whole thing in 2022 um different directors different set of actors and all that kind of stuff throughout but jack horner the guy that i talked to was the paleontology consultant from the first mm -hmm. movie in 93 all the way through to the latest one um so it's fascinating you know things like uh one of the big things right so dinosaurs having feathers they knew that in the first one when they made the first movie just computer technology wasn't there to a point to where they could make feathers on dinosaurs and make it look yeah. real plus as jack mentioned he was chatting with steven spielberg like he wanted it to be more of a horror scary movie right and then of course you do that in the first movie well you can't have uh, raptors that have feathers in the first or raptors that don't have feathers in the first movie and then later on when technology advances all of a sudden they have feathers so you kind of have that continuity so things like that you know where um it's just fascinating to learn about some of the some of the choices yeah. that they make like here's yeah. what really would have been but we made this conscious decision that we're going to change it well i mean george lucas went back and changed things why couldn't they they could just go back and redo the movie and <laughs> recreate all the special effects for it well and, and, in in some ways so i mean especially if i don't know if you've seen the the later ones you know in jurassic world they start introducing mm -hmm. dinosaurs with feathers yeah. um but as i was i was talking with jack about that he made the point that the the concept was with jurassic world is we're still seeing things like you know the t-rex and the raptors that were cloned in the 93 movie so it's not just that they're new animals, but they're actually ones from that. So yeah, that continuity, yeah. they, they had yeah. to keep that yeah. in that way, which I, I never really thought that. of, but that makes sense. Yeah, no, it's cool. It's a, I, I love that you, you know, you took two movies that don't have any zero historical context for them. For the most part, the storyline right? I mean, for sure. Loosely. Yeah. yeah loosely. Yeah. yeah. Jurassic park. None. <laughs> and and really and really had a good conversation again for someone who is into paleontology mm -hmm. that would be a very interesting conversation because this yeah. if this is bringing the that era to life and i think we've actually seen because of that when we think about those periods in history you know 262 million to to about 66 million when we look at that period of history um, it's brought that to life. I think when I was a kid and we talked about yeah. dinosaurs, you know, we had a little clay stick figure kind of thing and, or a few bones. And, and now you can get a really, based on what we know, still probably not hundred percent accurate, but a pretty good representation. And of course the digital photography, and that's not really the right word, but the, the, the film, what do, what do you call a film? The, the visual effects, computer graphics that are, that, there we go. that we're yeah. talking about. Yeah. Something like that. It had a fancy word, but it's okay. The the visual effects on it are super, like, I mean, they're so realistic and it does give us, it can kind of take us there mm -hmm. from, uh, you know, and it's good to know, you know, since 93, we are still learning, you know, we, we are sure. still. What, I mean, one of the uh, things kind of surprised me that um, I didn't realize when I was talking with Jack, he was saying that all of the uh, T-Rex skeletons that we found are still growing. So we don't really know exactly how big a T-Rex could be just because just from the fossils and stuff that we found. And so things like that, I mean, yeah, but you have in a movie, you're going to have to pick a yeah. size. <laughs> um, and so it's, it's just fascinating. Those types of things that uh, what we know yeah. versus what the decisions that they make 
in movies to tell the story. Right. That's kind of premise behind my show. Yeah. Well, and then, you know, you gotta, you gotta pick a point in time too. Like those, I mean, over the course of 200 million years, there were very, there were many different versions of those, but at some point you got to decide, well, we're going to land on this one. Right. And, and, uh, and so it's, it's kind of incredible stuff. Um, the, the last one I'll mention, then we'll move on here is you just recently, uh, did one on zero dark 30, which is a very, very recent, you know, a little different than the Jurassic park era time. Yeah. (laughs) Well, very, very, very recent history. Lots of, well, and this this could maybe be debated too. Lots of historical context around it. Like we know a lot of things about it. It's recent for a lot of people. Um, it was just it was just years ago, so it's not like it's still deep embedded in people's minds. That's got to take on a different when you're talking about reviewing a movie based on a true story. That's that close. Is it? Do they find that's more difficult, or is it easier to come at these movies this way? What kind of feedback do you get from from these folks that are doing this? I think um, that one in particular, not only because it's more recent, but also just because there's the whole top secret element to it where we didn't know a lot of that stuff until even more recently than the events that happened. Um, You know, you think of uh, reviewers and things like that. But uh, when after that movie came out, you know, you're talking about there were congressional hearings about the interrogation that was going on. A lot of it because of the popularity of the movie, they see the interrogations going on. Did we actually do these things? Um, and it, you know, it's fat that uh, Peter Bergen guy that I talked to, you know, he actually interviewed Osama bin Laden in 1997. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's fascinating. And then I don't know if you've uh, to dig, if you want to dig even deeper, um, there's an HBO documentary called Manhunt. It's actually based on another of, of Peter's books and that dives into a lot of it. But something's fascinating about that documentary is the CIA actually gave permission to some of the people that had since retired, but they get, but the CIA gave permission for some of the people that were behind the scenes to actually talk about it. And they talk about the movie Zero Dark Thirty a lot and you know how things were portrayed versus eh, how it actually was within reason. I mean, there's still a lot of stuff that's still classified for sure right. when you're talking right. about oh, yeah. the CIA. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but it sure. was fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, in the army, we called it O Dark Thirty. So I was I I they even got the title wrong on it, but it's okay. <laughs> if you want to say zero dark thirty, that's okay. We said O Dark Thirty. Well, there's three really good episodes. You should go out. I've thrown them in the chat room. Um, I'll, I'll make those available in the show notes. But three really good episodes with a lot of content. If you're looking for something else to listen to after you finish this one, don't 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 go yet. <laughs> Don't go yet, of but uh, check it out based on a true story podcast.com. And I, I just super interesting stuff that you do, Dan. So thanks for, thanks, thanks for doing that podcast. I appreciate it. Yeah. You, um, when I pinged you about coming on, I was like, Hey, what are you talking about? And, and, you know, you said, well, I bought a new camera and we did too, I think, uh, back in the, uh, I don't know, back in the spring for my daughter, she hasn't used it as much as I want to, but it raised a question like for the average guy. And, and and maybe even the average guy and a, a little beyond that, you know, it's 2022 and we have some pretty good capabilities in our phones, right? For if, if you're, do we really need, I mean, for most people, do we need D, DLSR cameras and what's the advantage to tell us, t- tell me what you bought new and then let's, let's debate whether it's worth <laughs> it or not. Um. Well, the the new camera that guy is uh, Panasonic um, Lumix G9, and it's actually what I'm using now as I use it as a webcam to do for the for the podcast. So I've started doing video, so to to, to boost the video there. Um, it's not my 
daily driver that I use, uh, that would be a Sony eight, eight, seven R four. Um, and I use that. I also do a photography as a, a side business as well. Um, whether or not it's needed, I think it really, I mean, like anything, it depends mm-hmm. the best. I I've always said that the best camera is the one that you have with you. But if you're taking pictures of something, especially if it's like a sporting event, I mean, the the zoom on your phone camera can only go so far before it starts to go into digital zoom and start to get pixelated. A lot of it has to do with the physics of the, you know, just the the way of light going through the glass. And it's really, really hard to beat the lenses is really where it is. I mean, the body is nice, but the lens is really kind of where you're going to get a lot of that sharpness. And so it really kind of depends on what you're using it for. Okay. And you're, uh, for those that are uh, on audio and not on video, Dan ha- is using it as a webcam at this point. How do you have it? How do you have it connected? I'm using the Elgato CamLink 4K. Okay. So it goes in through HDMI to USB. P- pretty simple. Pretty- and you're not restricted. Some of these cameras had used to have 30 minute restrictions on them for whatever reason. I'm assuming this not so on this camera. Um, well, they do. And that's more of a, as I understand, it would be more of a tax thing. You know, it has to be a camcorder versus a, a regular camera. Um, they do for recording, but I'm not recording right now. It's just, it's yeah. basically almost like a, a pass through it at that point. Even when I'm doing it for the podcast, I actually record onto an, um, Atmos Ninja flame. So it's an external recorder. So I'm not recording on the camera itself. And that does not have uh, a limit. It's actually... Um, well, I've got it here. Just records to uh, an SSD, mm. so it's whatever size your SSD is. So I've got it, you know, a, a terabyte right. that'll give me five hours of of footage uh, before I just need to. It can do a hot swap too, so I just swap it out if I if I need to do that. But um, we're streaming in 720 because that's the plan that I have on Streamyard. Um, I'm assuming that that could stream uh, 4K. Yeah, I I don't. I do 1080. Um, but I record in 4k because then I can, if I want to do, um, you know, cuts in and out and granted mm-hmm. that's just for my side. Um, but if I wanted to do that to give a little bit more visual difference, um, it gives me that opportunity to do that. One of the big reasons why I got it and changed, cause I was just using a, a Logitech C920 camera or something like that. Um, really had to do with just the quality that I was getting from that because it would record. I use Squadcast to record, which I, I love, but the MP4 that would come out of that um, just what it, it like the background behind me would just be super dark and it would take a lot. And there, a lot of that data was just lost. Um, so it'd be hard to bring up, bring that up where I, because I don't stream my show live, I record it. I have a lot of control now to be able to pull a lot of that. I could pull a lot of the shadows out. I can bring a lot of the highlights down um, and get a lot of that control in post, which as a photographer, I love to do that. <laughs> I love to have that control afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got all that data, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, in, in this case, you got all this data and, and you could do a lot of things with them. From a photographer standpoint or being a photographer, did the pandemic change photography in any way in the sense that you know, for a lot of, for, for, you know, um, for a lot of PC folks, like parts got hard to get. Did, were there, were any things like that that happened during the pandemic that made, and then did, did prices shoot up on you? Um, you know, 
in my case, no, because I had already got the camera. <laughs> I, already, I already had my, my daily driver before, before that. Um, but, um, no, I don't think any more than anything else. I mean, it's the, the cameras are pretty much computers, mm-hmm. right? And so it's going to have chips <laughs> in it and it's pretty much, you know, yeah, things are going to go up. Um, but for the most part, and even before I have the A7R4 now, but I had an A7R2 and the lenses are the same. So, I mean, once I've got the, the body, then the lenses, I mean, you're kind of in a system, right? Yeah. So the different yeah. lens mounts are going to be what the different systems are. And, and that part, um, you know, a little bit, but no more than any other tech, I would say, going up. Is there anything coming along? I mean, you know, wasn't long ago 4K was a big deal. Today, that's pretty standard. What are the what are photographers talking about right now? Is what's cutting edge in photography right now? Um, I think a lot of the standard systems are are. Essentially, everybody's moving to mirrorless. And you mentioned DSLR. Everybody's moving to mirrorless. Sony was one of the first ones um, to kind of do that. So they're kind of at the top um, as far as mirrorless technology because they've had it for the longest. Um, but even just recently, I think even within the last few months, um, companies like Nikon, uh, Canon are kind of saying, or at least giving indicators, even if they haven't officially said so, but pretty much saying, like, we're just not going to be making DSLRs anymore. Everybody's moving to mirrorless. That's crazy how how that just one day will disappear. I mean, that has been a standard for such a long time in what we've done with cameras and now gone. I'm, well, not yet, but it's get, we're, we're pretty close, right? Yeah, I'd say it's pretty close. I mean, at this point, if you're getting a new camera, I would recommend uh, a mirrorless. And on, I mean, <laughs> this, of course, with any sort of tech debate, right? <laughs> you're going to have people on both sides. Uh, yeah. Personally, I don't really think that uh, you need DSLRs anymore because one of the big benefits to that would be you're actually looking through the lens as opposed to mirrorless you're not actually looking through the lens but you're looking at basically a computer screen and so for a long time computers and technologies wasn't fast enough to be able to drive that but now it is um and so you get some benefit one of the big reasons i went to mirrorless from dslr uh years ago was to do a feature called focus peaking where i can see in camera what is in focus um live because it's a computer and so it's showing me a live display and i can see an outline of what is in focus so i can know instantaneously do i have the part in focus which especially when you're dealing with uh you know aperture and stuff where you get the blur and everything uh can be important you want to get i just want to get this one eye in focus you know the nose is out of focus but i just want the one eye that kind of thing <laughs> do you um lighting is a big deal still and of course i mean i think the availability of good lighting, this lighting used to be ridiculously expensive. I mean, like stupidly expensive today. It's, I think, is is it still pretty reasonable to be able to get a fairly decent light lighting rig Mm -hmm. that you can take with you? Oh yeah, I think so. Um, Especially because, yeah, with, LEDs may have made the difference. I remember (laughs) date me, but I remember when I first got into photography and videography, um, you know, not only what you didn't have LEDs, but, you know, you had to deal with the light bulbs, but on a lot of them, you know, you have the tube. And so if you even touch the light bulb and then it gets hot, the grease from your finger would just shatter the yeah. ball, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it just be hot and miserable in front of the lights. Cause they'd be so hot. It, now with LEDs, you can get down, you know, real small. I think get as them, with anything, get them you know, close, even, diffuse them easy, right. Those kinds yeah. of things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think with any, 
any any sort of tech again even you know with podcasting or sound or stuff like it depends right my my space is going to be different than your space um and so the lights that you need to light that are going to be different when i first bought my first lighting rig for podcasting and and um and actually it was somebody gave it to me as a gift my lighting was so bad they're like i'm just gonna buy you some lighting Hey, maybe you know, I'm just going to turn all these lights off and see, <laughs> see if somebody sends you some. some uh, but it was all fluorescent. You know, it was mm-hmm. all those fluorescent bulbs yeah. that, you know, the, the, the little the, spiral. The, yeah. The little spiral bulbs. And, yeah, I've still got some. And they, they're still, they, I mean, that's 10 years ago and they yeah. still work great in a lot of ways. Now, the, the, the color temperature isn't great. And so I blended them. I've actually started blending them with LEDs that I get a little bit more control out of. And, and then, Kind of blend it together because the the bright white light does have some use, mm-hmm. but oftentimes to get the right skin tone, you got to kind of blend it with some things. And so, but you know, I remember thinking, you know, you can get a pretty good lighting rig for a couple hundred bucks that 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 will at least get you better than than you know not having it at all. Where those right. systems used to be a couple grand, so um, uh, easy to do that. You showed a you, you know you showed us your storage and and certainly. SSDs uh, have really come down in price and are really affordable and are really rugged in a lot of cases, right? Do you, um, you know, the photographers used to carry around all these, all these cards, right? Do you, you do that anymore? Or can you, you got to be able to take pictures and just dump this stuff pretty fast, right? Is that kind of how it's working? Yeah, pretty much. Um, so the, my, primary camera that i use the the sony it's got two sd card slots in it so if one fills up it you know it'll go to the other honestly i've never even filled up one because you can get the sd cards that are large you know i go go with a 128 sd card and that's that's a lot of pictures um but uh yeah i as soon as i get home dump it off to my synology and then start start working on it you know um Mm -hmm. and that way i I know some photographers that don't do that. They keep it on the card until they're completely done. Um, I prefer to move everything over because that way there'll be times where I haven't gotten to edit the last batch of pictures before I have another shoot. And so then if I'm, I've got multiples and it's like, Oh wait, what, which copy do I have? I just like to have one working copy at any given time. That's just a personal workflow thing. When, when we used to have film back in the old days, and you were limited by, you know, really what you could take. And even in the early days of digital, uh, those files were pretty small and you you weren't necessarily inclined to have a ton of them. But today, like you mentioned, you can't outshoot your SD cards for the most part. I mean, now there's people screaming at me in their car right now saying, yes, I can. I Okay, <laughs> I know you can do it. All right. You listening, yelling at me in your car right now, I know you can do it. But for the most part, right, outshooting that. But... That does create a huge cache of files that have to be managed. How do you, and every photographer I talk to manages that a little bit differently. What's your system for keeping track of all that in, in folders or how do you, how do you do it, Dan? Um, I've tried a lot of different ways. I've tried a lot of different software. I have found the thing that works best for me is just using uh, folder structures instead of relying on any sort of software because that kind of goes out of date. 
Um, so I just do it by date. I literally, I mean, it's, I have a, a folder, you know, for each year. So I'm 2022. And then under that, it's going to be a folder 08. And if I had a shoot today, it would be 04. And then uh, location and who it's with, you know, so whoever the, the subject is. Um, and and then in there, I use a software called Capture One, which is kind of a competitor to Lightroom. Um, and in each one of those is going to be then the session that I actually start to edit edit those those pictures in. So it uh, keeps it pretty simple, just, I think. I mean, organized all by date instead of trying to do... I, I used to do like a, the location or the subject type, you know, is this, is this sports? Is this, are these portraits? Is this landscape? All this kind of stuff. And it just got to be so confusing. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I just keep two, it simple. two things though, but date and then a person or are you, you also have that little bit of information. In so, the yeah. So like if I were to do a shoot today, you know, on, on August 4th, right. So it'd be in the 2022 folder under that would be 08. So I have all the different months, you know, 01, 02, 08, and then it would be 04 and then being the day. And then just a little, a little, I do, I do location person because I shoot a lot more portraits and and people than uh, things like landscapes and stuff like that now. So location, so like where it was at, um, the specific, uh, if it's in studio or if it's at a specific location, that kind of stuff. And then who it is. Um, that's just Give it some context so yeah, you can exactly. find it. The with you know facial recognition uh, has gotten a million times better in the last decade, maybe even the last five years. Are you do you do you ever do you ever do any do you ever use any of that to help find you know a person or or create any of that in your in your library to make it easier to find things? I've tried it, um, and I've tried it using you know so. Google Photos probably has been the best at facial recognition because they have all our pictures anyway. Um, <laughs> and uh, I've used other uh, Facebook, right? Them in yeah. Facebook, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've used uh, Milio, I believe is what it was called. It was supposed to be kind of like a Google Photos, but local, so not going into the cloud and do facial recognition stuff like that. Um, the big challenge that I found is even though it works great most of the time, it's the few times that it doesn't tend to be the pictures that I'm looking for. <laughs> and so it didn't recognize who that person is um, or, you know, I need to go in there and, and create these people. And so for each one, I'll you know create who they are and, and all that stuff. And yes, this is them. Oh, this is them. I, I shot them again, you know, three years later. Um, you know, there's, there's one family that I shoot in particular, I've shot, uh, maternity shots and then shot, you know, the baby each, each year. And so there's a lot of change. And so the facial recognition on that kind of stuff just didn't really work very well. Um, as babies change a lot. <laughs> yeah, they do. They, they grow up fast. And I found, uh, my boys look a lot like me and it would get us confused, you yeah. know, in, in, especially when they were younger. Yeah. And so uh, again, not I. I don't think a reason to poo-poo it. I think it's going to continue. I mean, we just continue. It will just continue to get better. Oh, it will. It's always the use case of it, right? And and I think the ability to. And this is where I think it goes. You know, hey, I'm looking for a picture when I was in New York City, that, and I was over here, you know, it, doing this where it it really probably starts to get useful. I, I, I'll be honest, you know, even though I started this conversation with this, you know, I've got this beautiful camera here. 
I take less pictures than I ever have in my whole life, even though I have a camera with me at all times. It's just, a, I've just kind of stopped taking pictures. It's weird. And Dan, I don't know why. Is it because I'm like, because everybody else does? And I'm just like, well, like I'm in everybody else's pictures. I'll just grab it from there. Or it's the craziest thing. I don't have, as I've gotten older, I'm just taking less pictures. Have you heard of that before? Um, I mean, I think everybody's different. Um, Personally, I, one of the ways that I like to experience things, just, I guess, being as a photographer, I like to experience it through a lens. And so I experience things better. Um, Kind of like, you know, when I'm in a meeting, I, I pay attention better when I'm actually taking notes. I might not even refer to the notes later on, but I'm doing that. Um, Another thing that I've used, uh, this is a workflow thing that I've found helpful to be able to find pictures later on is to take advantage of that. You mentioned location. And so when I'm actually on set or I'm taking pictures somewhere where I'm doing that, I'll make sure to take some kind of just behind the scenes pictures because that tags the location that tags the date. And so I can go back into Apple photos or Google photos and look, I remember, I remember vaguely where I was at. I remember vaguely and look at that. Okay. That was it. Okay. And then I go back to my folder structure. Here are the high quality pictures that I took that day. I've been walking uh, for the two years of the pandemic. I've been walking our cemetery, our local cemetery. And you might be like, Jim, that's pretty morbid, but it, it's because it's got hills in it and it's quiet and there's nobody there. Right. I mean, it, well, I mean, there's well, lots of people there, but you know what I mean? That was morbid. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, there's a dad joke. If I <laughs> So um, I've, so I joined this this find a grave site where people oh, yeah. can request right hey find a, find a headstone. So I've actually um, started going uh, you know so that cemetery shows up first and if they request a grave I see it I get an email, and then I make an effort to go find it and I probably found fifteen or twenty in there and then I shoot pictures of the headstones that are out mm-hmm. there right or what's going on around it. Google must think I am absolutely losing my mind because all that's showing up in my picture are dead people, like, <laughs> you know, our gravestones, like what is wrong with this guy? Right. Uh, but it, so if you look at the, if you look at on my phone, if you look at the pictures, the majority, well, there's two things, the major, they're headstones and cigars. And so like, I, you know, I, I got to start, Dan, I got to start taking <laughs> pictures of other like people and family members, but all, all my family's pretty active uh, on, in taking pictures. And seriously, I kind of think I'll just like, if I see a good one, I'll just take it from yeah. them. Right. Cause you can, right. Yeah. Um, well, I think in, in my case in particular, again, it's use case. Um, since I am a photographer, everybody just kind of assumes I'm going to be the one that brings my camera and takes the pictures. And so they use mine. <laughs> and I think it's kind of similar. Yeah. Like, you know, when you're the, the tech person, right. You're the one that's going to fix the computer. You're going to one that's going to fix things. And it's kind of similar when you're a photographer. It's yeah. You're the one in the family that's going to take the pictures. I've seen some of these sites try this, where it takes a whole bunch of people's pictures and puts them together. It, it attempts to stitch together a location or a monument or a, a trail, a hike, a mountain, mm-hmm. right? How do you feel about like, what if collectively we all like all our pictures could come together to help do that, to, to capture a point and to capture, capture history at a point in time 
there's all kinds of privacy concerns in that. I get it. But <laughs> how, how do you feel about that? The kind of the collective, it sounds like the Borg, but the Borg of pictures. How, how do you feel about that? <laughs> Um, I think, I mean, yeah, yeah you're going to have the privacy thing, um, aspect of it. I think the the big challenge to that is in, because everybody takes pictures differently. And so depending on what the event is, there's, there's, there's a benefit to seeing the different angles, but there's also like, you know, if I'm taking pictures of my family, like you don't know who my family is. So is it really that interesting to you, even though I might've been at this event that you're interested in most of my pictures were of my family at the event, not necessarily the event itself. Um, and so there's that sifting through a lot of that that's beyond the just geotagging and facial recognition and all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know if technology is really there yet to be able to stitch all that together and do it in a way that is not dealing with the privacy issues <laughs> that are always going to yeah, be there. Well, and certainly Google has has figured out, you know, they use humans, I think, still to do this, but they blur out faces in their, yeah, in their yeah. Google Maps images and such they they kind of go through and do that but you know you kind of wonder if you know if we took all the pictures that didn't have people in them and and made those available publicly to, for an archive like an archive.org for pictures yeah. you know yeah. where you could submit pictures that could be cool i mean yeah because i mean because then you could have uh a timeline of history and see yeah pictures i mean because you kind of have that now like in google photos you know you have the map and any restaurant or any place like that yeah. you can see pictures that people have taken there yeah um i mean i don't see why you couldn't do that for time as well yeah there's a super cool site let me see if i can remember the name of it it is called uh give me just a second here it's in my shortcuts it's called um uh n-e-t-r online it's a, it's a viewer of historical aerial views. So if you think about, um, and I'll throw a link to that in the show notes when we're done. Um, if you think about aerial views that have been taken from the 30s and the 50s and the 60s, and then, of course, we get more and more as we get you know closer to the current era. This is a site that's kind of archived them all, and you can go to a spot in the map. Then you can say, okay, show me the available aerials. Mm-hmm. And you can literally time shift through them and see, hey, what was like where I live here in Bellevue, Nebraska? I can see that in 1952, nothing was here, right? It was it was a farmer's field. I can see the old homestead that was just across that now is across the street. It's gone, but that's where the homestead for this area was. And um, it gives you some historical context of that. And again, it's done does it in a nice way, no privacy concerns, some of those kinds of things where you're not worried about that kind of stuff. But it's allowed me, and like you, I think you were alluding to this with Street View. I can go into Google Street View and then say, "Hey, what did this?" I can go to an intersection and kind of say, "What did this look like ten years ago?" I think is probably as far back as you can go in Google. I'd love to see some more, and I think Photosynth. Microsoft had this thing called Photosynth, and I think that it was. And of course, they're always too early on stuff. This was way <laughs> too early for it to be productive. But I, I, that to me, that is interesting because if I could ever invent something, if I could invent one thing, what I'd invent is a portal to the, to the past where you could look through it and say, okay, show me what this looked like in 1890. Mm-hmm. Like that would be so fascinating, right? Well, if we collected enough pictures over a long enough time of some of these areas, maybe you get something like that, right? 
Yeah. And I mean, there are definitely sites out there now where they do things like from World War Two, you know, you can see this street yeah. and then how it is now. And, you know, the little slider back and forth to, to see yeah. um, stuff like that. Yeah, that would be fascinating. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, and I think using AI to the, the thing is you can't have like often those pictures are digitally enhanced by you. Like you're a human You're you're doing it, Dan, because you know how to do this kind of stuff, right? You're lining the pictures up just right and get right. them, get the orientation. Just the camera's right. always going to be a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, it, the guy took the picture in, you know, 2017 has no idea where they placed the camera for that, right. for that, for that building then. But no, I do. I find those very, very fascinating. And, and um, it would be great, I think, to turn some of this machine power over to stitching. Stitching is a wrong word, but smartly putting these things together in a way to give us context based on time, right? Almost like a time lapse. So anyways, I didn't plan to go down that rabbit hole, but man, it sure sounds cool, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah, no, that would be fascinating. I also love that, you know, if there's one thing you can vent, it would be a portal through time. I mean, keep, you know, keep the, keep the bar (laughs) pretty high there. (laughs) No, it's never going to happen, but it would be super cool if it, you know, I was watching this, uh, YouTube video on, on, um, space time, space time stuff. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if you go, if you go fast enough and this in the universe and look back this way, you're actually seeing in the past. And that's, I was like, that's what I want, except I want it at a micro level. (laughs) Especially as I'm walking through the cemetery on a daily basis, you know, I'm kind of like, you know, this cemetery has been here since 1865. Like it's an old, old cemetery. I wonder what it looked like, you know, three years, five years, 10 years after, uh, during those times. We alluded to this in the, in the pre-show. Those those folks that lived out here in those years, very different life than we live than we live today, and not a glamorous one at all. You yeah. Know? So be interesting to see um, how they live. Okay, to get back on track, not really. We don't really have a track to get back on, but you're taking all these photos. This is where we were going, and you're dropping them to your Synology. We you had have you always uh, one have what what have you used for backup in the past before you did the Synology? How were you doing it? external drives yeah yeah just just external drives and i need a new one i get a new external drive throwing more space um so backing them up were you backing up to the cloud in any way in those days or were you doing yes so for a long time i was on google's uh google drives you know with their workspace having unlimited space that's going away now so not not really say allegedly yeah. Well, it was for a while. I had like 70 yeah. terabytes on there at one point. Um, <laughs> but uh, that mess. Holy cow. It, yeah. Well, that's why I need this. Analogy. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I just in preference to kind of get an idea. I've never really gone back, but um, I do roughly about six photo shoots a month or so. Each one's about 150 gigs plus the podcast. Um, I use a little over a terabyte a month, roughly of, of stuff that gets generated. Um, so the process that I have now, and I'm definitely open to suggestions on moving forward. Cause when you start eating up that much space, of course <laughs> it doesn't go away. No. Um, there's it's only getting bigger. It's only getting bigger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've kind of, cause I already had a bunch of those external drives I was using before the Synology. My process now is I use the Synology for my working files um, so like more recent things and then kind of roughly about five years or so, I kind of put it into the, what I deem kind of long-term storage, which I have then being in, on the external drives, uh, backed up to Backblaze, 
um, that corner th- sort of thing. And I have them redundant on multiple external drives. So there's multiple local and then to, to back plays. Um, so that kind of frees up this Synology to be more just working things because it's a lot easier to access that across my network. Yeah. Yeah, um, a lot faster to do it that way. What what did right. you get from a Synology standpoint? What did you what did you purchase? Uh, I've got the DS fifteen twenty plus, so five bay, um, okay. and I've got uh, four of those used with uh, sixteen terabyte drives in there. So oh, it's nice. roughly. Well, I'm using their. Uh, I have a pulled up here. I'm using their um, their hybrid RAID. So it's about forty three point six terabytes of space. What I have there now, but I do have one bay open, so I could throw in another uh, 16 terabytes or so in there. Mm-hmm. And then after that, there's going to be a point where I'm going to have to figure out what I'm going to do <laughs> as I'm adding more stuff. Yeah. Um, of course, the the camera that I use now as a daily driver, it's a that um, A7R4, it's a 60 megapixel camera. So each each picture that it takes is, uh, you know, 50 to 60 megs. Um, and, you know, it, I'm sure whatever the next one's going to be, Years from now, it's only going to be more <laughs> uh, video, of course, adds on top of that. Now that I'm starting to do a video for the podcast um, at higher quality, of course, that you know adds up a lot of space too, a lot more than just the audio. So I'm not sure. I don't know. I'd love to get your advice, Jim, on like, do you think I should get another Synology and just basically just kind of keep doing that? Because each one of those could last for a while, you know, it's throwing yeah. drives. Let, but. let me ask you this fundamental question. Do you think you need to keep everything forever? Well, I am a bit of a digital hoarder. I will admit that. I know, we all, <laughs> every, listen, everybody who listens to this show is like they're screaming <laughs> at me right now out of the car. Yes, Jim, <laughs> yes. Everything forever. Um, I try, I try not to keep anything that I can download again. Um, mm-hmm. so things like I, you know, stock photo subscriptions, things like that. Like I can go download those again. Um, mostly th- the things that I keep or want to keep forever, I think, are things like the pictures, the um, video, the um, the podcast stuff, you know, all the source files, all that kind of stuff. Um, my background before doing podcasts was in visual effects. So a lot of those files that honestly I haven't really gone back to in a long time. But they're still there and they're ones that, you know, I'm the only one that has those. There's no way that I could get them back yeah. from anywhere if if I lost them. So I don't know. It's a, listen, it's a question I think about all the time with my dad passing away a few years ago. My mom just passed away. She had a whole, my, and my mom had been hoarding pictures we didn't even know about. Like we knew my dad's stuff. We didn't know about my mom's stuff. Whole boxes full of things we didn't know. And in a perfect world, you'd run those through a quick digital scan and, you know, you'd, you'd keep them. To what end, right? You know, you we went through them and enjoyed them in the moment. Right. We, we, here at our house, we call that a Walter Mitty moment, right? You, 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 you're present, you're in it, you enjoy it for what it is, but by keeping those photos and I could, you know, the, 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 uh, the, the equivalent would be, I'd buy a safe that's fireproof and I would take those folder. I would take those pictures and put them in a, in a fireproof, um, or, or I'd, I'd make a copy of them. Then I would put them in a fireproof safe, right? Type thing. Almost never to look at them again because I looked at them once already, you know, and and yet we're we're always enticed by this. Yeah, but what if I wanted to, <laughs> you know, what if I did want to go back? And there's this cost justification, like how much is it worth to you to be able to go back to to say I could go back? I may never, 
I may never go back and look at those things. I, I may never want to. Um, so, Dan, I don't know if I have an answer. Like, uh, I think everybody's got to kind of decide what the value, what their own values are. I do know this, that those pictures to m- meant nothing to my children. So by the second generation, there's no interest. It, they're just like, oh, ha, ha, ha. If I said to them, you want to keep them? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, not interested, right? Mm-hmm. And now you might find a archivist or, uh, you know, people who do family tree type stuff. There's always going to be one in a generation that wants to go back and, cap- yeah. and be super pissed that you got rid of all this stuff. <laughs> Right. Why did you throw that stuff away? Well, once you invent that time portal, you got to have the pictures, dude. No, there you go. See, that time portal all of a sudden sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Somebody, Elon needs to invent this thing. But it's, you know, then as I was talking about those pictures to my brother, he said, well, I was like, I'll just throw them away. He's like, well, you can't throw them away. We need to shred them. And I'm like, this isn't evidence from a trial. <laughs> what kind of pictures are these? <laughs> these are pictures. Like, and he's like, I know, but they have people's faces on them. It became a privacy issue, just mm-hmm. like we talked about here a second. These are printed pictures. It became a privacy issue now at this point. Now, most of these people, these pictures are long gone, but he still wanted them shredded, right? Okay, so fast forward to our digital content, you know, and you think, do I really need, even in, you know, I, I went through my podcast material and I was keeping, every version of everything I'd ever made. And then I was like, well, I could recreate, uh, like, I don't need the video large and video small. I could recreate those from the original if I needed to. If I really needed it, I could create it from the original. Yeah, it'd be a little bit of work, but I could do it. So I started going through and I deleted terabytes of Mm -hmm. those files just because I was like, yeah, these are just, these are just artifacts of things that I, that I already have. And I have 500, we're in 541 just of home gadget geeks. I've created two or 3,000 of these at work. How many times do people need to see me, right, in this kind of stuff or, or, or me go back to them? So I may be a bad one to ask, Dan, because, again, a lot of our listeners were all digital hoarders. Yeah. But I don't, you know, you kind of start wondering, like, how long does this stuff need to live for, you know? But- Go ahead. You you brought up a good point of recreating. I wonder if maybe that's um, a workflow thing. And now I'm just kind of thinking out loud. Like, yeah. if I were to change the folder structure for uh, my podcast, so I'm I'm sure like you know a lot of projects you could have a kind of a template uh, folder structure that you use pretty much the same. I wonder if maybe splitting out there of okay, these are the project files, and then these are the files that are rendered and generated that are safe to delete. Like right. after a certain period, these are safe to delete and because they can be recreated with these source files here. Yeah. Um, that could yeah. free up a lot of space. I'm not really organizing it that way right now, but. Well, but now you're splitting your files up. Like I have this working area. I've got this saving area. Do I use the same structure for them? I mean, it is maddening <laughs> when you start thinking about. That's why uh, I just Mike save Howard. everything. <laughs> uh, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, because, because you can. Yeah. Like that's that's the thing you can right now you can in the future. Will you be able to, you know, Mike Howard um, who passed away a few years ago, longtime listener of the show. He, he also was a big photographer and he had, I mean, he had a big 80 terabyte server six years ago before anybody had those kinds of things. Right. He was, and he kept, he literally kept absolutely everything. Now when Mike passed away, you know, you think, did his family know enough to, like what happened to all that stuff and his sites gone now 
and you know you think somebody went oh that was mike's stuff you know it's gone so maybe there's a difference between legacy and working, right? Yeah. You've you're you're in the you're in the midst of working on things. The you know, Home Gadget Geeks is 10 years old. I've probably got two terabytes, maybe three of data that I've created on this program that I keep because I'm currently working on this project. I think if I stopped doing this podcast, I may have to make some decisions like do I really want to pay for a server the rest of my life so that these files exist somewhere? Or do I trust them to things like YouTube, which won't last forever, or archive.org, which won't last forever? I was going to ask you, why don't you store? You've got the Synology stuff. You use Backblaze. Um, so you are storing it to the cloud, so to speak. But yeah. let, me, let me ask you this. If something were to happen to you, you were incapacitated. Or one day you just decided you weren't going to do this anymore. Would anybody besides you know how to access this stuff? That's where um, LastPass comes in. <laughs> They've got that emergency okay. access. So I've got family members that have access to like emergency yeah. access for that. Good. They would act. And then in there I've got, yeah, all the, not only the usernames, passwords, obviously, but you know, the secure yeah. notes to be able to access stuff. So they could, they could, if you pass Dan, would they like, would they oh, care? Do you think they'd care enough to do, or would they be like, let's just turn the lights out and let this, let these files go. I think uh, for work things, morbid show. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. Well, I, th I do have some people in my family that are big into ancestry. So I think for that okay. purpose, they might on yeah. some of them stuff like yeah. the podcast, they probably wouldn't yeah. um, because yeah. that was, that's my project. That's not necessarily related pictures right. that I take for clients and things like that, you know, that they don't know probably wouldn't. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I think there might be some now, whether or not they take the time to split those out based on my folder structures to know which ones they want to keep or not. Right. That's a good question. That's time. Who knows? Dan, they're going to look at that file structure and they're going to be like, there's 10 years of photos. There's no <laughs> way I'm going to have time. Somebody's going to dig deletes, into done. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Somebody's going <laughs> to dig into one folder and they oh, this is kind of cool. Yeah. Control A. <laughs> control D. Right? Yeah. Like, well, that's done. It's 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 just an interesting subject, and and you know most of the listeners here uh, have aged along with me. Y you haven't aged, but everybody else is aged <laughs> in the process. And we're we're getting to that point. And I've had, I mean, I've had listeners pass away, and not just not just old listeners. I you know my uh, I had a um uh, my niece's husband, uh, young young, and he was a listener to the show. He passed away, he drowned um, a couple years ago. And you start wondering, like, does anybody care beyond me if I'm keeping all this stuff? Again, uh, separating the work, because the work stuff that you do, you, you got to kind of keep that for various reasons, right? right. But it, it does get you start thinking about all this digital content. Good that you have LastPass. Um, yeah, I have premium LastPass, too. So Sarah could get in here. I, listen, I want her to know all the passwords to all the financial sites so she get the money. That's worth something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? That's worth something. So I don't know. It's it's an interesting subject on how much, because we can. We can store, you know, 80 terabytes. Well, you said you had 43 terabytes available for you in the Synology. In the Synology, right I've got another yeah. uh, 70 or so with uh, okay. the external drives that are kind yeah. of more long-term. But but honestly, a lot of that, like I said, is is duplicate. So I don't know off the top of my head exactly how much of that right. is are copies of right. things, you know, because external if, drives fail. 
if a if one if an if today an external hard drive did fail, do you feel like you have a good enough process to be able to recreate it in a timely manner that doesn't ruin a whole Saturday? In a timely manner, that's a different question. <laughs> he had me until the timely manner part. Because <laughs> I did it's, have it's, one fail a few months ago. Yeah. Um, and honestly, the I mean, the first step with the downside with the external drives, um, I've got them all plugged in. I got a little uh, uh, mini PC, so they're all plugged into the same computer to access uh, pretty easily. And the downside is uh, uh, like figuring out which drive is the one that I can't see anymore because I don't access that stuff a lot. It just sits there because it's mm-hmm. kind of long term. Um, yeah. And so yeah. it's, oh, wait, oh, this one, Backblaze gave me a notification that it can't see this drive anymore. Oh, which one is that? Which one is physically is this drive that's right. plugged in and and, and then right. figure out how much space I need to get a new drive and all that kind of stuff. So it needs to be simple enough that you'll do that. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like you take something really, uh, let's, these old pictures that we have, I put them in a box and I put them in the shed. And then I, I think they're safe, but I didn't realize that over in the last 10 years, there's been a leak in the roof that's dripping on the box. And now the box is ruined and all the pictures are ruined inside of it. I think there's that modern day equivalent of, and what do they call this digital rot? I mm-hmm. think is what it's called where because you have so much stuff, you, you, you lose, you, you didn't lose it. You lose track of it. Right. You know, and you're yeah. like, okay, where is that? And, and how, and, Oh my God, this hasn't backed up for four years. And like it goes offline, but you don't have a system to check it on a regular basis. And so you realize one day, oh yeah, that's it's okay. I don't need those anymore. Oh, until the next week, right? Yeah. Well, maybe that goes back to kind of what you were saying. Like, do we need this stuff? Um, as you were talking about that, you know, the physical side of it, it reminds me of a story. Um, my brother at one point, he was moving houses uh just down the street, like from a house that had a, a non-finished basement to a house in the same development that had a finished basement um and he had been using his basement that was not finished uh in the old house pretty much as storage and then when he moved to the new one he was looking at all the all these boxes and bags and things like that and he's like you know i haven't opened these and i've lived here for about 10 years i'm not even going to look at them I like if, if it was something important, I would have used it by now or looked for it. And so right. it's like, maybe, maybe, maybe that's the point. You're like, do we really need this? Hmm. It's, and that's easy to say until like I, I, at some point in time when I was in high school, I owned a Timex Sinclair 1000, one of the very early membrane keyboards, PCs, right? And it, I mean, it's, it's, it just was a terrible computer, but I, I, <laughs> it was mine, right? And, at some point in time, I made that decision, like, you know, cause there's this, this curve where it's useful and then there's a dip where it becomes unuseful. And then at some point that, that turns back around, comes back up and it becomes valuable because it's old, but you never know where that dip is going to be. Like it's when the museum starts calling for it. <laughs> uh, exactly. Like I'm still holding on to an old Wii. I've got an original Xbox. Because I, I'm holding on to those things because I threw out that Timex Sinclair 1000 and I can't, now I wish I had it, you know? And in the day, it was it made perfect sense. This thing is doesn't run on anything. It's a piece of junk. Now, today it's valuable because it's nostalgia. So you have those moments where those things come back to bite you and then you're like, okay, screw it. I'm keeping everything, yeah. <laughs> you know? But I mean, especially when you're talking about tech like that, it's not just the device, but like, right. do you still have the power cable or the type of connector? Right. Like, I mean, I 
a same sort of thing. I found in my little, I'm sure we all have box of cables and things like that. I found a keyboard that was a PS2 connector, like the little round, right? Like I don't, none of my, none of my computers have that connect. Like it, this keyboard is useless. I don't, I can't use it for anything because right. it just won't plug into anything. No, no, you lose the brick. The standard goes out. It's like, it would be like today having a zip disc. <laughs> but no drive <laughs> you know like well i got this thing. Uh, i had those man 150 megs when do we ever use that much space <laughs> huge click of death you know uh, that guy was uh, listen i had i had a whole backup strategy around that thing and this was that was going to save me right in those days but um you know uh, brian says in the chat he says and and the older electronics older in quotes while dated seem not to break down as often as more contemporary electronics and I think, and, and meant to be more disposable. I, I think he's right in that sense, mm-hmm. but it's that one thing that burns you, the Timex yeah. Sinclair, that then all of a sudden now I'm, okay, I'm going to be a hoarder. I'm keeping the Wii. I'm going to keep the the original Xbox. I'm going to keep, and I'm keeping all this because I realized this. You got to keep the power plugs. You got to keep right. peripherals so that you can do stuff with them. The games, so you've got something mm-hmm. to play if you want to do that. So I have this big, big old boxes of these things and you're like, and the question is, am I going to use it again today? No. But am I going to be super angry in 10 years when I want to pull that thing out to show a friend? And even worse, when I go, what are my kids going to do with that box? Are they going to open it and go, oh, silly dad. Silly. He's so silly. Take this thing to the recycle, right? And you've, you've moved this thing all over the world so your kids can take it to a recycler, right? So I don't know. It's, well, I mean, but th- some of that, there is nostalgia to it, too. I mean, yeah. I know just in, in my family, some of the um, generational gaps, you know, I think it was uh, a Super Nintendo that mm-hmm. just an old Super Nintendo that somebody found and the kids, were, kid, the kids had never played one. It's like, but I, rem- I know these games because they're on, you know, the, Nint- the Nintendo online. Right. And yeah. so they get to play the game that fr- they're familiar with as their parents played it. And so I think, I mean, yeah, there's. It could be that it's too. it's a real representation of history. This this goes back to what we were talking about with these pictures, right? And keeping, you know, keeping what, what do you keep and how long do you keep it? And what's the is the storage worth it? And will that moment come when the nephew is over and you're like, let's play, you know, yeah. um, let's play Mario Kart or let's go play Space Invaders. That's probably a better that's such a great that was such a great game. And you play it now, and you're like, this thing is the dumbest thing. <laughs> How did I have fun with this? How did we play this for hours, and we gave the machine money to do uh, this? Well, they have, uh, I mean, I'm sure they have them everywhere, but I know at least you know, here in OKC, they've got they've been a kind of a resurgence of pop-up of retro bars that, you know, have the arcade games and all oh, yeah. those retro games and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, I mean... Yeah. Uncle Mar says Centipede, right? That was another one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can. It's just not the same, though. Like, I can go back and play Pac-Man on my computer, right? But it's, it's different than when you were standing at the at the the screen at 7-Eleven feeding that thing quarters because you had risk. Mm-hmm. And you were paying money for this, right? Mm-hmm. And Precious those, money. Those quarters are, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that, you know, that'd be like $50 million in today's <laughs> inflation. And, uh, and so it just brought it back. Well, to, to go back to your little question, when we talk about the Synology and how much is enough and are you doing it right? I think it sounds like, I mean, right is, uh, the, and I'll put right in air quotes, doing it right means you know how to get it back if something goes wrong. Right. 
And are there easier ways to do it? Maybe. Do you want to spend, I think about this sometimes, you know, I was like, well, I've got all these drives that I, that are, are, are attached in a various way and I could buy a $300 enclosure, but is that really worth it to me? It's working this way. Yeah. Why don't I just leave it though? It's, it's working. I think sometimes we obsess too much on the hardware and not enough on the processes around actually backing it up, checking it, and then making sure I can restore it. I've, I've been burned way too many times where I thought I was doing it right and I went to get it. And, you know, it wasn't there. So I think oh, yeah. we need to spend a little more time on that, too. Do you feel like you could get a do you Do you feel like you have a good plan to get all that, to get any bit? If I deleted something from 2016, your whole 2016 folder disappears. Do you, th- do you feel like you'd, you could get it back? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think the the biggest challenge would be, honestly, would be, knowing that that folder disappeared because, you know, at that point, um, I, if it's not something that I'm actively working on, um, until I go back and want to work on it again, uh, a great, great example, actually, um, that just came up recently. One of the, one of the recent episodes, um, that I did was the first time I've gone back and remastered an interview from 2017. Um, so I was going back into my old folder structures and finding files and finding that some of the files weren't there and having to go back and, and restore them from backups and things like that. Um, and finding that uh, I was using completely different software that I'm using now. And just all those types of things that I kind of want, I wanted to do that just to go through that process. That was kind of part of it too, was, you know, if I did want to do that, what would, how difficult would it be? I got it. It wasn't the easiest, (laughs) Um, but I was able to. Yeah. Yeah. In a, in a former life, I was a data warehousing guy for a bank and we, you know, so we had all this data and we had all these systems of checks put in place because we had to balance the bank every day to the penny. And so, you know, no one was interested in like, ah, I don't know where that ten dollars went or where that ten thousand. Ah, we'll find it tomorrow. We'll find it like tomorrow. Said, <laughs> said no one in banking ever, right? Type thing. But you bring up an interesting point. So we had all kinds of checks and measures in place. And I think this is another thing people miss in the backup schema of things is how do you know when you moved a folder over, everything moved over? Like there's there's no we miss like how many items did you start with today and how many did I add today? Then you know, okay, I have this many items. You Most people don't track their data that way, even then they don't even track it in size oftentimes, right? So if a, if a file transfer fails and say a whole folder drops out and you didn't know you didn't copy it over, you don't know because you didn't, you didn't tie it. There's no checksum, right? To these, to these processes and knowing like, oh yeah, all of 2016 is gone. I think this is an area we're missing of being able to constantly check. You almost need something that's constantly checking those folders to say, yep, everything's there. Is there some sort of an indexing type software that could do that where you're not, I mean, not necessarily, it's not like a syncing, but just index. Okay. This is everything from last month. These are the things that are actually, uh, I wonder if, uh, just off the top of my head, I long time I've used software called Beyond Compare um, to make moves and stuff like that, where it compares the different folders. Yep. And I'm pretty sure you can export like text files and stuff like that of what the folder structure is, what the, and then yep. just see highlighted. These are the differences. Good compare. 
Yeah. Say yeah. this is a snapshot of everything yeah. that I have from a file perspective. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, nightly I'm going to have it check and I'm going to get a report or something. This totally. is the hard part. All that stuff is easy to do. The question is after a while, like it gets super boring to check that stuff all the time. Yeah. And then you stop. Well, I don't think but, you need to do yeah. it for everything. I think there's, yeah. you know, there's going to be some things that, um, that, you know, the, maybe not the entire 2016 folder, but the folder of, you know, your kid's birth or something like, you know, something that that's right. like some, some momentous occasion. That, okay. This, I want to make sure that nothing gets lost in this yeah. or, you know, this is a, a huge client project. I want to make sure nothing gets lost in this in case they're going to come back. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think, you know. Yeah, right on. It's a, almost like a tagging, like, oh, but then you got to go in and tag it. <laughs> you know, it listen, Why is everything the, take time? <laughs> we're the weakest link. Like this is the problem. I, I've discovered the problem. The problem is us. We're the weakest link on these things because we don't like, we don't want to check them on a regular basis. We don't have the accountability to make sure the numbers match when we're moving files. This happened, Dave McCabe, who was, was the, the host on a home server show. We used to talk about this stuff. He had lost a complete, section of his family's photos uh one time in moving them over you know he got in a hurry or whatever and didn't check and then you don't know what you don't know and you know he again i think he was able to go back and restore them but it the fear in his eyes when he was like i had to tell sandy that i'd lost files and he was a home server guy we did a show about it right you know so it's yeah it's this is every photographer's nightmare and i think in some regard is how do you and you you have both the worst of both worlds because not only you're a photographer but you're a podcaster like you're just creating gigantic files all the time like it's the, why i never right? lost what? yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. that's for sure well um, you know, if you do get to a point where you want to consolidate your drives, having two Synology is not a bad idea. It's going to, there's going to be a cost factor involved in that, depending on how you want to do the Synologies, whether you want to do one on site and one off site somewhere and you want to replicate between the two of them. A lot of folks do that and then, and then they keep one copy in the cloud somewhere, right? That's in the advent of today's modern high speed internet. That's reasonable for most people. You know, now you, you'd have to ask the question, do you pay, do you get throttled on your bandwidth after a certain, do you have bandwidth caps on your, uh, thankfully no, not right now. Okay. So fiber, you're fine, fine, but if you had a one terabyte limit, which a lot of folks do, right. In a month, or if it's offsite, wherever that would be, if they, if that does um, as well. Right. Right. A lot of the guys that, um, (laughs) um, that listen to this show do that. They'll have a, you know, they'll have a, a, a piece of equipment local and they have one off site and they just replicate it off site. Right. And then you get the value of the speed. You want it local for speed purposes. You don't want to mm-hmm. be dragging things down out of the cloud all the time, right. but you, then you have a piece of physical hardware somewhere else that you own. Right. Cause for a while, these online services were dropping like flies, <laughs> you know, like, ah, eh, we're quitting. I know we said we were going to do this, but we're not going to do this anymore. Lifetime You're access back- for a hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, that's going to Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Backblaze. And so do I, and they've, yeah. they've been pretty good and it's there as well, but you can't trust your cloud provider either. Right. right. You need to, at some point you need to, you, you have to have zero trust in all of this. Can't trust your local copies, so you got to put them in the cloud. You can't trust the cloud copies, so you, you ideally you put them somewhere else off site, 
you know, and you always just have to kind of think zero trust on all these things. Like, yeah, I can't trust any of these. So I've got to spread this thing around to make sure. And you can't trust your hardware locally. So if that's, you can't trust the location. If you have two copies in the same location and that location yeah, melts. Yeah. Which you know, everything is melting um, these days with the temperatures as we were talking about. So <laughs> I know right on, right on, right on. Well, Dan, thanks for, Thanks for saying yes to, I think, what what was a fun conversation. We haven't done this around since I lost my coward. We have not had a good photography conversation. But especially when you think about just this task of mm-hmm. storing and keeping files, and it's complicated. Yeah. Yeah. You know? it, it, and it, t- it takes time. And that's the thing is that, you know, it's everything takes time. And that's time that yeah. is not factored into doing the actual work. <laughs> or, or, yeah. Time and attention. Yeah. I I think people they think well I just I'm just keeping my files, and you're like yeah but you make files for a living, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what you do and and for you both in both cases you're creating you know a lot of data for a living. It's probably worth the time and the attention. Good for you for getting that synology. It's probably worth the time and the attention to make sure you're getting in it. And listen, every time I had a show like this in the past, I'd spend all weekend checking all my backups. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> now I, is it working? I haven't checked it in a year. You know, it's, it's always a good uh, reminder to, to do that. Yeah. <laughs> no, for sure. John, John big says irony is pretty ironic sometimes. And I, and I think that's, <laughs> that's true as well. If you haven't done it yet, head out to a based on a true story podcast.com. You can get more of Dan out there. He's a friend of the show. And we'll continue to have them back uh, as as we have topics and stuff to discuss. And so, Dan, thanks for uh, taking the time to be a, a part of the show today. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me on. Yeah. Can you hang around for a minute? Yeah. Okay. St- hang tight. Just a couple reminders on the way out. One, don't uh, a big thanks to our Patreon subscribers. I mentioned that earlier. Dan is a Patreon supporter for us over at Ask the Podcast Coach. Uh, but you can do that here for um, Home Gadget Geeks. I got plans that start at 5 bucks. Always appreciate the support. Many of you have asked me, how can I do that? And there's just one easy way to get it done. Head out to theaverageguy.tv slash Patreon. And a big thanks to all of you who do that on Patreon um, as well. Big thanks to Christian over at Maple Grove Partners. If you need a website, Dan, by the way, if you ever need a website, we've got a great service for you. Head over to maplegrovepartners.com. Christian's got plans for just about everything, as little as $10 a month. He told me the other day he is the inflation fighter. He's not going to raise his prices today. So $10, get you started on a site, and uh, he'll do just about anything you want uh, that you need. And uh, he's super open and super available, maplegrovepartners.com. And, of course, Home Gadget Geeks, powered by Maple Grove Partners. They do everything for us. And so, Christian, appreciate your support. If you want to join us in the Discord group, uh, you can do that, theaverageguy.tv slash Discord. If you want to leave me a message, uh, head over to homegadgetgeeks.com. There's a little blue button in the right-hand corner. Click on that. You get 30 seconds to leave me a message. Love your questions, comments, whatever. We'll play them right here on the show if you want to get that done that way. Um, just do me a favor. Email me, jim at theaverageguy.tv if you leave that voicemail message. I don't always get notified that it's there. I found one that was like six months old one time, and, and I had to apologize. So send me an email, jim at theaverageguy.tv. Any of your feedback, you can send me an email as well. We are live every Thursday. Just about every Thursday, more now than we than we were early in the summer. 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out here at theaverageguy.tv slash live. If you're listening to this and you're like, man, Jim got this out early. It's because I'm headed to Texas this weekend and I, I am producing this thing. As soon as we're done, 
I'm going to thank Dan and I'm flying out of here to get this, uh, this thing produced. So you're welcome. You're welcome for having it early. Dan, again, thanks for coming out tonight with that. We'll say goodbye, everybody.